We're going to be looking together at God's living word. This is truly more precious than much fine gold. This is sweeter than the sweetest honey we could ever set our tongues on. Yeah, we need God's help, don't we? We need God's help to really understand what he's saying to us today as individuals, as, as a congregation. So why don't we turn uh, to him again in prayer and call out on him to help us by the Spirit. Let's pray together. So shall the dead hear your voice. Our Father, we thank you that for those of us who were once dead and are now alive, that you spoke your words of life to us whenever that was. We thank you that on the last day, all people, the dead and the living, will hear your voice. We thank you that your word is like a hammer that breaketh the rock, like a scalpel that divides marrow. And we thank you that your word is living and active this evening, December the 27th, 2009. So we ask that by your spirit you would bring understanding to each of us, that you'd not only illuminate our minds but our hearts and our wills. Father, this would not be just a a comprehension exercise. Father, you would speak to us of your wonderful ways. That you would lead us by your Spirit to the living Word himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would be caused to delight more and more in him. So be with us now as your Word dwells amongst us richly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep going to the end by looking in the right direction. Wouldn't that be good advice if you were to set off on a journey this evening? Keep going to the end by looking in the right direction. I want us to use our imagination for a few moments this evening. After our formal part of the meeting, I know Andrew said hang around and chat, but actually tonight, it's a little bit different to normal, we're all going to go on a run together. Is that good news? For some of us, maybe not. Uh, Especially when you hear where we're running to. We are going to run all the way to the airport. K-L-I-A. How's that? Would that be fun? How do you feel about that kind of thing? In some ways, it's not actually that far. It's not a huge distance. How long is it going to take some of us maybe shorter than others, but we will, will we make it? I'm almost certain that some of us wouldn't. We wouldn't make it, would we? Uh, others of us, we would, we would stop on the way. Perhaps others, we'd never even start that journey. We'd refuse to start. Well, let me ask a question. What kinds of reasons might there be for us to stop running? Or even walking? What kind of reasons? I guess there would be personal things, wouldn't there? So perhaps uh, you, you had a, a massive lunch today, uh, or maybe you've just eaten lots of cake or something, and you get a stitch, and you're, it's after only just a few minutes, and uh, how on earth can I keep going? Or perhaps you, you trip over, there's a bit of roadworks or a, a manhole cover or something, and you, you trip up, you twist your ankle. Ow! How can I keep going? Personal factors. 
There might also be environmental reasons. KL, have you been running? I haven't. I'm not sure I'm going to choose to do that. It's hot, isn't it? Sometimes it's even hotter than it is at the moment. Maybe you're thinking this is really cool. It isn't if you're from Britain. Uh, I'm guessing it gets even hotter than it has been today. Humid. That's going to be hard, isn't it, to run when it's like that. Or, or yesterday afternoon, the rain came pelting down. Running through that kind of rain would be difficult, wouldn't it? Environmental factors. The temptation will be to give up when these different things come our way. And yet we must keep on going to the end by looking in the right direction. If you start looking backwards as you're running, or if you start looking down at your feet, you're just going to trip up, aren't you? We must keep looking in the right direction. Well, the Christian life is very like that kind of race. Not a short journey to KLIA. Sometimes you might have heard it described not as a sprint, but as a marathon. A run that takes one's whole Christian life. A a run that makes that airport run seem positively easy. A run that, a journey that won't end until we meet the Lord Jesus, whether when we die or whether when he returns, if he does that before we die. Now many of us here will be aware that the Bible often picks up on this picture of the Christian life being like a, a journey, like a race. On several occasions, God uses this as an illustration to help us understand what it looks like to live for him. At various points, he he warns us of the kinds of dangers that will come our way. In other places, he, he teaches us how to keep on running, how to persevere to the end. What are the kinds of things that might stop us living for Jesus Christ? None of us knows what 2010, Friday, and the rest of uh, the coming days will involve. Praise God, if you're a Christian here today, we can be confident that God is in total control. That's very assuring, isn't it? But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Indeed, the teaching of the Bible makes it crystal clear that as a Christian we will face all kinds of different opposition, trials, testings. And similar to our imaginary run to KLIA, they're going to be personal factors, they're going to be environmental reasons. Both are going to tempt us to stop living for Jesus. So personal weakness What kind of things? Maybe we'll get caught up in some persistent sin. Maybe we're already in that terrible cycle and habit. We we know it's wrong. We repent. We go and do it again. It's stupid. We know it's stupid, but we just keep doing it. Maybe it's some sort of illness. Perhaps at the moment, some of us are going through some sort of illness or pain. Perhaps some depression. It's normal Christian life. What about environmental concerns? It could be some kind of opposition from our families. Do you have opposition from your family? If you don't, praise God. Because many Christians, brothers and sisters around the world, have a really difficult time from their family. We're told to expect it. Perhaps it's our workplace, when they they learn that you're a Christian uh, and that you're not willing to to go and get drunk with your colleagues. or Whatever the pressures are for you in the workplace. 
Maybe it's some other source of opposition. Well, for the original readers of this letter, because I should say, this is fine, I was just blacking it out. <laughs> you threw me a googly with the bells, I throw you a googly with my remote control. Um, so let's look down in our Bibles, chapter 10, where if you've, turned, if you've closed it, we're on page 1210. And I want us to consider the context. So we're going to look at verse 32 to 36. The original recipients of this letter to the Hebrews, it seems that they had problems of both kinds, personal, environmental. Let's read verse 32 to 36. Verse 32. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened you you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction sometimes being partners with those so treated for you had compassion on those in prison you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Could someone just pull out the little thing in the computer, push it in again? We've lost contact for some reason. Did you notice in our reading, the Hebrew Christians, they had started well. Did you spot that? They'd endured all kinds of opposition. They'd faced tough times. And yet, did you notice the concern of the writer? Verse 35. What was his concern? You there? Verse 35. They started well, yes, but they'd become less willing to endure. It seems that living for Christ, for these guys, had provoked all kinds of opposition from their fellow Jews, from Gentile rulers, It was hard for them, being a Christian. So the writer, in this letter, he urges them, he pleads with them, keep on going to the end. We're going to see he gives them three main pieces of advice. Look up, look forward, look around. Now, of course, the battles for us here in KL wherever you're going to be in 2010. They won't be exactly the same as those original readers, but they'll be similar, won't they? We're equally in danger of giving up, running to the end. Equally in danger of drifting from the truth. It doesn't happen overnight. It's always a sort of slow, gentle drift. Equally in danger of giving up before we reach the end. Well, praise the Lord. That finishing line, we can get there. Because God will take us there. It's not, it's not up to us. And the writer to the Hebrews, he gives us these three directions that will help us keep going and play our part. We need to look up. We need to look forward. We need to look around. Three directions that will help us as we start this new year, 2010, on Friday. Indeed, directions that will help us, I hope, for the rest of our Christian lives as we go on pressing on towards the goal to which Christ has called us heavenly. So firstly, this is the longest one, so don't panic if uh, towards the end of the first point you're thinking, my word, we've got two more to go. This is the long one, okay? Look up, be centred 
on Christ. And here we're looking at verses 19 to 22. Just look down at verse 19. The key word, did you spot it? There are actually quite a few important words there, aren't there? Therefore. That's very important, isn't it? What, what is that therefore? Therefore. It, it, it's pointing back, isn't it, to, to everything that's happened. Because of all of this, Therefore, this. That's why it's a long point, because I'm going to preach through the whole of chapters 1 to 10. No, I'm not. But let me just very briefly give you the context. Chapters 1 to 10 are all about Jesus. No big surprise there. Both who he is and what he came to do. You see, he didn't just come to be born in a manger, as we've been celebrating. Praise God, that is amazing. But there's more, isn't there? If you're, you're looking into Christian things, why not turn to the beginning of Hebrews and read through it? It's amazing. You see, the danger for those Hebrew Christians is it seems that they were forgetting how great Jesus is. Isn't that a danger for us as well? So the writer explains that Jesus is supreme and therefore all he came to do is sufficient. It's crazy. It's hard to believe, but these Hebrew Christians, they were turning back to the Old Covenant. The Old Testament, you know, the first two-thirds of the Bible, all that religious world of rituals and sacrifices. These guys were turning back to all of that. Many of us will be familiar with some of the, the kinds of things we're hearing in that reading from Ezekiel. It's kind of strange if you're coming in from the outside. But actually, the Old Testament, it's all there to help us. To help us understand who Jesus is. To, to help us realise our need for Jesus. It acts, if you like, as a visual aid to help us grasp the wonder of what Jesus came and did as he hung on the cross. And it's because of who he is because of all that Jesus has done, that we can now confidently enter, as verse 19 says, into the presence of God. How ridiculous for the Hebrew Christians to return to the Jewish practices. Did you notice the two reasons why? Two reasons, two specific things, why we can draw near to God with confidence. The blood of Jesus, just as we've been singing all evening, and the priesthood of Jesus. Let's start with the first one, Christ's blood. It's because of the blood that verse 20, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, that we can enter God's presence. It's because of his blood. I'm sure most of us here are probably familiar with the, the, the temple in the Old Testament symbolising God's presence with his people. Just as in that Ezekiel reading we heard, God wants relationship. You, I will be your God, you will be my people. Relationship. And so you need presence. And God came to dwell with his people. And right in the heart of the temple, the most holy place, God's presence. But of course, no one could go there. There was a curtain right across the middle stopping us, acting, if you like, as a kind of no entry. 
you have those in KL? Yeah, don't drive down. Have you ever driven down one of those? It's a big no-no, isn't it? It's a, it's a barrier saying, don't. Yeah, don't go in. Don't go down that way. Of course, we can't enter God's holy place. Yes, once a year, one particular high priest, having done all kinds of sacrifices, could enter that holy presence on behalf of the people, but we couldn't have done that. Of course we can't. God is holy. He's pure. He's without blemish. He's perfect. He's totally set apart from us. Whereas us, we are more dirty than we could ever imagine. As we sung about in some of the songs, we are guilty. We are full of shame. And if you aren't, as you look back over the last year, even over the last day, or perhaps that's the depths of your sin, that you can't see just how dirty we really are. Of course we can't enter the presence of a holy God. We've turned our backs on him. We've not let him rule over us. We've not let God be God in our lives. We've insisted on driving. We put God in, in the passenger seat, perhaps in the back seat, maybe even in the, the boot, the trunk. It's scandalous. I hope we haven't got too used to, too familiar with the idea of our sin. This is appalling. And yet, and this is why it's such good news, if you're looking into Christian things, I hope you can see that this is the most amazing news in the world, which is why you'd be crazy not to keep coming back and find out more. The great news is, because of the blood of Jesus, because of Christ's death in our place, the the curtain has literally, it's gone away. It's gone. In fact, the physical curtain of the temple, if you've read through one of the accounts of the life of Jesus, do you remember how it explains that as Jesus hung on the cross, physically the curtain, it was torn from top to bottom. Amazing. The blood of Jesus offered in our place the perfect sacrifice perfect sacrifice because Jesus as we've been celebrating over Christmas he's not only human he's fully God and therefore he's able to represent us because he's human but he's fully God so he's without sin he's without dirtiness and so his blood the perfect sacrifice praise God we, we no longer need to offer sacrifices the wonderful blood of Jesus secondly Christ's priesthood. We have a great high priest. Verse 21. Let's look back down at the passage. Verse 21. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Because we no longer need a middleman. In society in Malaysia, do you often need a middleman to get to to someone really important you've got to go through some sort of mediator I don't know if that happens here it certainly happens in China in the Old Testament we see that that's exactly what we need we need a, a middleman we can't just waltz up to God we need to, to go through a priest and yet Jesus he's our great high priest he's interceding mediating eternally Many of you will be familiar with these wonderful words from earlier in this letter. 
the writer says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Guys, God knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to run this race. He knows what it feels like to face opposition. He wants to help. He wants to help us in our time of need. And so chapter 10, verse 22, let's draw near to God with sincerity, with assurance. At the beginning of a new year as we enter 2010, this coming week. Guys, let's be clear on this. Our relationship with God does not depend on our achievements. It doesn't depend on our pathetic performance. Not at all. We need to look up to God. The blood of Jesus, the work of Jesus as our great high priest. Do you ever feel like you go so wrong that this time, God's, he's not going to be able to forgive me. I've really blown it this time. Have you ever felt like that? It might have been years ago and it still kind of harangues you with feelings of guilt. Perhaps just recently you've done something stupid and you realise it. Don't get paralysed by feelings of guilt. Look up to God. We have a great high priest, Jesus Christ. Draw near to God with confidence. Rejoice that Jesus has died once and for all. That his death is sufficient to cleanse us from all the mess in our lives. However dirty you might feel, if you put your trust in the blood of Jesus, God has rescued us. And he's not just rescued us, he's rescued us for a relationship. He wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to walk with him day by day. I wonder, has anyone... Is anyone here feeling worried or anxious as we enter a new year? Perhaps there's something on the horizon you know about. Perhaps there's something, you don't know what it's going to be, but you just, you're worried about a new year. Look up to God. Approach the throne of grace with confidence. How do we do that? Well, of course we do it by listening to God and his word, just as we're doing now just as I hope we do, day by day. Uh, We do it as we speak to God in prayer. I don't think we don't know that. The problem is often we don't do it, do we? We're mad. We just... It's like... It's like you have access to the most important person in Malaysia and he could help you in so many ways. And not just he can help you, but you can be involved in working with him. An amazing... And it's as if we don't bother. It's as if we were given the kind of code to get into his office, but we never bother using it. We don't even... It's mad, isn't it? We can 
Obama's children, okay, it must be pretty amazing for them because they can have access to Obama pretty much any time. I'm sure there'll be some times when he's busy, when he's talking to the Prime Minister of Malaysia, whatever it is. But actually, they have a lot of access. They can message him and all that sort of thing. We have an even more amazing privilege. We can approach the throne of God any time, no matter how much we've blown it because of the blood of Jesus. Keep going to the end, guys, by looking in the right direction. Look up to God, centred on Christ. Secondly, more briefly, let's look forward. Focus on the future. Verse 23. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I wonder, what kind of hopes do you have for 2010? Do you have any aspirations? Find a new job? Maybe get that promotion you've been angling for all these months? Meet your future husband or future wife? See your best friend or or relative? Turn to Christ, become a Christian. Guys, those are great things to, to hope for. But let me tell you, the Bible does not guarantee any of them. But one thing is certain. If you're a Christian here this evening, then we have the most incredible future before us. No matter how 2010 pans out, we have the most wonderful future. You see, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it doesn't just look back to the blood of Jesus, to the death and resurrection of Jesus. It looks forward to the coming again of Jesus and to that time when God will usher in his perfect kingdom He will restore his world as it was designed to be. A day when at last we shall enjoy living in a world without the consequences of sin. Just imagine what it's going to be like. There'll be no more tiredness, no more broken nights, no more sickness, no more exams, no more misunderstandings, no more depression. No more hatred, no more loneliness, no more grief, no more death. And most exciting of all, it's not the no mores, it's the, wow, we'll be with God face to face, with Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. We'll be able to see God face to face, we'll be in his presence for eternity. And guys, we can be sure of that. Because it doesn't depend on us, as we've seen already this evening. No, it's the blood of Jesus. It's the priestly, intercessory, mediatory work of the high priest, King Jesus. But it's more than that. Did you notice in verse 23? How is God described? The end of verse 23. He who promised is faithful. Unlike us, he keeps his word. Let's hold on to that hope, guys. Let me ask a question. Have you ever felt homesick? I know some of us here are not Malaysian. Perhaps you're just here travelling or you're working over here. Do you ever feel homesick? Maybe some of us who we're just back here temporarily, we're studying overseas or something. Maybe others of us, we've been overseas before. Did you feel homesick? There's just that kind of longing for an authentic Nashi Goreng. 
or, or whatever it happens to be. Maybe you know, you're on Facebook and it is good, you can keep in touch, but if only I could be with my friend, with my family. Longing to be home. Wishing you weren't so far from those you love. How about heaven? Are you homesick for heaven? After all, if we're Christians here today, we don't belong here. You might have a Malaysian passport, but you don't belong here if you're a Christian. You are a citizen of heaven like me. We're fellow citizens. Wouldn't that be a good thing to pray for in 2010? That God would help us see and live out more clearly that we are just strangers in this city, in this world, we're passing through. We're on the way to the new earth. This is just temporary. I wonder if you were to look back to this year, 2009. Isn't it shameful how much of our time and our energy is invested, has been invested in temporary things of this world that are just to make us feel more comfortable and secure and happy in the here and now. Verse 23, if we don't hold on to the hope that we have, if we're not homesick for heaven, if we're not looking forward to that great day, we're going to be tempted to give up. Brothers and sisters, the Bible doesn't promise an easy life in the here and now. In fact, quite the opposite. It tells us to expect difficult times. And so when things get difficult over this new year, don't forget to keep looking forward to heaven. If I'm honest, when things are hard for me, perhaps it's easier to look forward. So last night, didn't get much sleep, one-year-old baby, cry, cry, cry. Oh, I can't wait for sleepless nights. You might have thought, why did he talk about sleepless nights? That's not a problem. It is, if you're a, a, a youngish parent. <laughs> Believe me, one day you'll be there, possibly. God willing. It's not an ideal situation to be, but it's just temporary, I hear. And it is just temporary. But when things are going well, how easy it is to just to not have the new earth on our radar. So why don't we pray at the beginning of this new year, Lord, help me, help us as a church family to be more future-focused. Keep going to the end. Look up. Look forward. And then thirdly, finally, Look around. We need to be committed to the church family. Verses 24 and 25. Let me read verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Given the cost of being a Christian in some parts of the world, and China's one of those places, I often get asked the question, especially by someone who's about to become a Christian, or they, they, they're on the kind of, they're teetering on the brink, they, they understand, maybe some of you are in this position, they, they understand that, yes, Jesus, he is Lord, and yes, they understand that Jesus has done everything necessary to cleanse them from dirtiness, to, to forgive them from their rejection of God. They, they understand that the, the details, but they're weighing up the costs. Maybe some of us tonight are in that position. That's right, we need to weigh up the cost. It's a big decision. It's a very big decision. Just on that, don't ever forget the cost of rejecting. Okay, there are costs. I've said several times tonight, if you were to become a Christian, it's not going to be easy. It might even be harder than it has been up to this point. But we have a wonderful future. But there are costs. 
And so for, for these Chinese friends, they, they've often asked me, can you be a Christian and not go to church? Again, that's one of the costs. It's like, I'm a busy kind of person. You guys seem to keep going to church. Do, do I have to do that? Do I have to be part of a small group? All these sort of things. Do I, if I'm a Christian, do I have to go to church? I wonder, how would you answer that kind of question? Can you be a Christian without going to church? I think the answer is this. Yes, but don't. Yes, you, you don't have to attend a church meeting to be a Christian. We've already seen that, haven't we? God accepts us not on the basis of our turning up to a meeting, but on the basis of the blood of Jesus. I don't know about KL, but back in the UK, there are many people who go to church week by week, very committed churchgoers, who aren't necessarily genuine Christians. People who've never fully understood that it's only through the blood of Jesus. That song, if we, if, we can't, if we can sing that song and not get it, then something's going wrong. Do you remember? It repeated it again and again. Only through the blood of Jesus. Only through. But people don't get it. They'll come to church every week of their life and they've never really grasped it. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to KFC every Sunday. Every Sunday for the rest of your life. If you do that, it will not turn you into a piece of fried chicken. <laughs> Try it. It won't. Can, can you be a Christian and not go to church meetings? Yes, but don't. You'd be crazy to miss out on the encouragement it is, isn't it? Like this as we meet tonight, as we meet in our cell groups. You'd be crazy not to, to rig. In fact, it would be disobedient, wouldn't it? If you've taken seriously what God's word has to say about what it means to be God's people. Why, why do you meet on a Sunday evening like this at SMAC? Is it because it's a special building? It is quite nice, isn't it? It's not a special building. I, I, don't, I don't want to disappoint you here. This building, you might go away thinking, oh, I just, it feels good. Believe me, it's nothing to do with the build. It's a rain shelter, pretty rain shelter. Um, it's better than the bus stop, you know. It, it's, it's impressive, but that's all it is. And very useful if it rained like it did yesterday afternoon. Not a special building. We could meet as we did this afternoon in a very ordinary looking venue. Not a special building. Why do we go to church? Is it because we need people like Andrew who will help us commune with God? No. Not at all. Don't stop putting money in the offering. You know, we need to set apart people like Andrew. It's important to have people who will teach us God's word. That's very important to facilitate us to be using the gifts that God has given us. But we don't need special priests to get us in touch with God. No, we've already seen. We have Jesus as our great high priest. So why do we meet? On a, is it because we meet to draw near to God? What do you think? Is that the reason we meet? Is it to draw near to God? Yes, partly. I hope you came tonight eagerly anticipating approaching God, coming to him and listening to his word. I hope that was on your radar as you came praying this evening. Lord, may this be a, a significant time. But of course, we don't need everyone to do that. We can do that every day. I hope we do. Before we go off to work, draw near to God. 
We don't meet together primarily to do that, do we? No, the primary reason we meet on a Sunday afternoon, a Sunday evening, whenever you happen to meet as a cell group, the reason we meet together, verse 25, do you see it? Don't neglect to meet together, as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. That's why we meet, isn't it? You see, I find it difficult living with Jesus at the centre of my life. My guess is so do you. And so do all the other members of SMAC. SMAC 1, Afternoon Congregation, SMAC. We, we all find it difficult. We need each other's encouragement, don't we? So verse 24, let us consider how we might stir up one another to love and good works. How do we do that? How can we stir one another up? Lots of things. We can sing, like we've been doing tonight, reminding each other of glorious gospel truths. It's the blood of Jesus. I've heard that before, but I need to be reminded. Which is why it's great, as well as praising God from the depths of our hearts, we can encourage each other, reminding one another. We can sing, we can, we can study God's word, listen to what he has to say to us. That's so encouraging, isn't it? We're not in this alone. God has given us everything we need in the Bible and we can encourage each other to understand it. We can pray with each other. We can pray for each other. I wonder if 2010 might be the year that we finally commit ourselves to one of the cell groups. Guys, we, we'd be crazy to just leave it for a Sunday evening to meet together. This is such an important part of our whole being and yet we find it hard living for Christ. We need each other. Make it that priority. Not just to belong to a particular Commit to it. We can chat. We can share stories of, I hope we can do this after the service, of God's faithfulness to us, answering prayers. That's so encouraging, isn't it? Testifying to God's goodness. We can serve each other practically. So maybe someone's moving house, we can pitch in, help. Maybe we need to put a lick of a paint on the new house, whatever it is. Maybe all kinds of ways we can encourage each other by expressing the fact that we're part of one family, using the gifts God's Spirit has given us to serve and minister one another. Not just on Sundays, of course, in our soul group, throughout the week. In fact, just by being present as we are this evening, that is a huge encouragement. So this afternoon, it was about two o'clock, the meeting was supposed to start at two, and it was Andrew, myself, and Andrew's family, and I was beginning to think, oh, okay, we're going to have a pretty short time, well not short, it would just be an intimate time as a family, it would have been nice. Um, 27th of December is often quite a low turnout across the world, and then suddenly people came in. It was so encouraging. People came to encourage one another. If someone doesn't come to my small group in London, I get discouraged because I'm thinking, well, so-and-so, she, he, they've obviously got something more important than encouraging me to do. They've got to do that. In their eyes, that's more important than coming and encouraging me. Not just encouraging me tonight, you know what I mean? In a small group setting, we're in it together to encourage each other to keep going to the end. We've all got something to give and to receive. We need encouraging. Others need our encouragement. So keep going to the end by 
by looking in the right direction. Look to one another. We need regular encouragement. And I wonder if you spotted the incentive at the end of verse 25. We're about to come to a close. Did you notice that incentive? Encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day is drawing near. That day which we thought about earlier in our meeting this evening. That day when Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. That's going to be a great day for those of us found living for Jesus, found running to the end. When Jesus finds us continuing in the right direction, that's a brilliant day. 2010, we get off to a start on Friday. It's going to involve all kinds of challenges. Perhaps more than anything, in the busyness of work and family and all the kind of pressures of life, one of the big challenges will be remembering that the day is approaching. We need to keep encouraging each other in view of that day, reminding each other of that day. It's a day that we need to take very seriously. And so if you are someone here tonight who isn't yet trusting in the blood of Jesus, why not talk to someone afterwards and find out how you can do that? That would be a great day. What a great way to start a new year. Trusting in the blood of Jesus. Looking forward to that great day. Well, as I draw to a close, I hope by now we're all clear on what God is saying to us this evening. No matter how you're feeling as we start 2010, we can confidently keep going to the end. We can keep going living for Jesus until that day when he returns. Why? Well, we have a great high priest. We have a guaranteed future. But we are going to need regular encouragement. So with the help of God's grace, let's make sure we keep going to the end, to the finishing line, by looking up, looking forward, looking around. Look in the right direction, centred on Christ, focused on the future, committed to one another. Do we pray? And pray for each other. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to keep going to the end and yet we know that on our own we are no way going to be able to make it. And yet we praise you that you've reminded us this evening that you are faithful. Thank you for reminding us of all that you have done in sending your son not only to be born in a manger but to die on a cross to shed his precious blood that we might be clean, that our guilty conscience might be cleared, that we might be forgiven, we might be reconciled. Oh, we praise you, Lord God. We, we long that in this new year we would be more a people who delight in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we'd be regularly looking back to the cross, and all that Christ has achieved. But also, Lord, help us to keep looking forward as we go on, looking forward to that great hope that you've set before us. Keep us going with our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, help us to help each other. Thank you that we're not in this alone. 
Thank you that not only are you with us, but that you've given us one another to encourage one another, to keep going to the end, towards the goal to which you've called us heavenwards. Please, help us as a, a Sunday evening congregation to become more and more committed to each other. That we would be a, a great encouragement to each person who comes in week by week. That we'd spur each other on to love and good works. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.